get up and have breath in our lungs, it's because of you. Lord, you said the days of our lives are written in our book. So, Father, we thank you that every day in that book we wake up, we have breath in our lungs, and we praise you for that. We thank you, Lord, for this is the day that you have made. We will rejoice, and we will be glad in it. Thank you, Lord. You may be seated. Well, good morning, Shiloh. My name's Ed Hires, one of the pastors, and uh, we're glad that you took the next three and a half hours to be with us today. <laughs> oh, no, half hour, half hour. Sorry. Uh, And welcome, by the way, those of you that are uh, joining us online. And today we start a new series, and the title of this series is called Jesus Revealed. See, God wrote a story for you and I, and that story is the Bible. And here's what we're hoping to accomplish in the next few weeks in this series. Number one, we will realize that all the famous people in the Old Testament— all of them point to Jesus. We're going to look at that, and that will help us to see the whole Bible through the lens of Jesus, because from Genesis to Revelation, we see Jesus. And it will show us how God loved you and I so much before Jesus ever showed up on the scene. Augustine, or Augustine, depending on how you pronounce it, in the fourth century said this, the New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed or hidden, and the Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed. And we're going to be living through that as we go through this. So today, we actually start with the first man, and that was Adam. And Wow. You know, Mike's an old friend of mine. That's going to end today. I don't always have to have a song and the best part of my message, but I love Mike and I don't want to disappoint him. Sound booth, do you have anything up there that somehow could tie into this? You do? Those who wait, but not for those who wait too late. We gotta go for 
sound booth. Interesting lyrics of that song as we start to talk about Adam. You know, some people ask me, how do you get these songs? And you know, almost not all the time, but almost always I'll be thinking of my message, riding along, listening to the radio, mostly message, but occasionally I go to the 60s and 70s, and, uh, and this song comes on. And it just went so well with what we're talking about. So I want to think about these lyrics in relation to Adam and God at that time. You know, Adam says, I see crystal, Adam didn't say this actually, Bill Withers did, but I see crystal raindrops fall. The beauty of it all is when the sun comes shining through to make those rainbows in my mind. When I think of you, sometimes I want to spend time with you. And you see, Adam had it all. That's the story of Adam. God created this man. He put him in this amazing garden and he would come and walk with him in, in the cool of the day. It says, just the two of us building castles in the sky, just the two of us. It says, we look for love, no time for tears, wasted waters, all it is. Good things might come to those who wait, not for those who wait too late. And definitely Adam's story. So just the two of us, we can make it if we try, just the two of us, you and I. So I want to take that line, we can make it if we try. And that's my title today. It relates to Adam. It says he didn't make it. In fact, he didn't even try. So Adam was this man, as we said, in the garden, has everything, access to all the trees, all the fruit on the trees. The tree of, of, uh, of life was there. So he would never, ever, ever have to worry about aging. Wouldn't that be nice? Amen. And there was one tree in this vast garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Jesus, typified by Adam, God says to Adam, don't touch this tree. We'll talk about how that is a type of Jesus in a different way. But he says, Adam, just this one tree. And see, it wasn't like this. We see God as a, sometimes I grew up in a religion where God was very authoritative. It's like, Adam, don't you eat of that tree. You do. I'm going to kill you. No. He said, Adam, whatever you do, please don't eat of this tree. It will cause you to go down a path where your life will be no longer. So that's what I believe God said. So here's the question. Why would God create Adam and create Eve knowing Right then, knowing from the very beginning, it would cost him the life of his own son. And, and he would have to go through this horrible, horrible death that was coming up. So why? Because he wanted his creation to serve him willingly. To, to, he gave them free will so that they could choose. See, Remember, God has already experienced a failure in this area. For whatever reason, we don't know the whole history here, but, but a third of the angels rebelled against God. 
And Lucifer, soon to then be known as Satan, and the angel, soon to be known as demons, he developed that plan that didn't work. So now he has a new plan, and this plan is going to cost him a lot. You see, Adam could have done what was right back then. And did you ever think about it? If Adam had done what was right, the Bible would consist of three chapters. I mean, you could do the Bible in a day, right? See, but Adam didn't. He committed treason. He took the side of God's arch enemy, the very enemy that had done the same thing to God. So God did go on to send his only begotten son. He gave him that same free will he had given Adam, free will that caused him to be brutally beaten, to go through one of the worst deaths created by mankind, crucifixion. But here was the most serious consequence, which we sometimes can overlook, that because of what Jesus did on the cross by taking sin, he, God was unable at that point to stay united to him, and they were separated for the first time in all eternity. And why did Jesus do this? Jesus did this because he wanted to give you and I access to God the Father. Why did God the Father let him do this? So that we could have access to this one who took all of our sins, though he had never sinned himself, so that God could unconditionally love you and I. And more, as importantly, he could be able to forgive us for all eternity. See, in this critical series of events that go on, goes on, Jesus chooses to use his free will to honor God, which Adam did not. There, there are some times that people, I've heard this over the time, some people have said this to me, but Ed, it's important to remember that he was God. You know, so it's hard to compare him to a human being. That's obviously not true. That would make it unfair. But let's look at Philippians 2, 5 to 9. It says this, your attitude should be the kind that was shown us by Jesus Christ, who though he was God, did not demand and cling to his righteous God, but laid aside his mighty power and glory, taking the disguise of a slave and becoming like men, he humbled himself even further, going as far as to actually die a criminal's death on the cross. Jesus willingly set aside his godliness so that he could go through this and be the second Adam. He had to exercise that free will. He sweat blood in the garden saying, Father, please let this pass. Some Come up with a different plan. But he said what? Not my will, but yours be done. See, Jesus' obedience is imputed to us. And what that means is it was credited to us. See, just like Adam's sin was credited to all mankind that would come after, because of Jesus' obedience, we can be considered obedient. We can see this. We can now come into the presence of God because we can take his obedience. Romans 5, 12 to 19 says this better than I ever could. And it's a little long, so bear with me. You can, you know, sit back, relax. You can follow the screens. Um, and uh, if you have your Bible, you can read through that uh, with us. 
It said, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet a law to break. Still, everyone died. From the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God as Adam did. Now, Adam is a type or a representation of Christ who is yet to come. See, there's a, let's stop here before we go further. These scriptures remind us that there was no death before Adam. One of the things God did after he asked Adam that question that he asked him in the garden was he, he took some sheep that were there. He slaughtered them because Adam said, we're naked. Realize Adam and Eve had never seen death. This was horrific for them. But that, that lamb, that sheep, was a type of Christ as well. The lamb of God shed what? From the beginning of all time. See, now, it goes on to say that Adam was, was a, a type of, of Jesus to come. A type means a pattern, all right? A pattern. Adam was a pattern of Christ to come. He was an example of Jesus, believe it or not, but it was a failed example. As we continue in Romans 5, but there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace, wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And as a result of God's gracious gift, his gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads us to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of, act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners, but because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. Hallelujah is right. And by the way, it says many, not all. So there's a condition, right? We'll talk about that. See, this set of scriptures reemphasizes that, that Adam's disobedience caused death, but Jesus' obedience was credited to all of us who believe, and it turns out to be the remedy for all the damage done by Adam's disobedience. See, there's still only one remedy to that. There's no other salvation under any other name, all right? By accepting Jesus, by accepting him for who he was and who he is, our Lord and Savior, we take that obedience and that is imputed or credited to us so that God has this access to us unto life versus through Adam, we could never have access to God because of sin. 
1 Corinthians 15, 45 says, says this, for it is written, the first Adam became a living being, the last Adam, a life-giving spirit. There's some interesting analogies now between Adam and Jesus. See, both Adam and Jesus were tempted. Adam was tempted once and failed. Jesus was tempted three separate times, and he resisted them all. How did he do that? No, not because he was God. He did that because he was focusing on believing and trusting what God said was true. See, Adam doubted the word of God. This was a word that was specifically given to him, a warning, Adam, don't eat the fruit of that tree. But Jesus also used the word of God. He used scripture, which is the word of God, and he used that as a defense against his enemy, the same enemy that Adam had dealt with. See, the first interaction between God and Adam after he ate the forbidden fruit began the whole turning of the story of the Bible. It was a plan that God had come up with that was so shocking that Peter said that when the angels realized what it was, they looked on with stunned bewilderment. See, God comes looking for Adam. He already knows the answer to his question, but Adam's hiding because he knows that he has done exactly what God said not to do. And what is he expecting? He's expecting God the destroyer. And he heard this voice. And and again, I want to tell you, this was not the voice. Adam, where are you? Get out here. No, it was Adam. Where are you? See, God already knew where he was. He already knew what was going to happen. And immediately, instead of going after them, God lays out this plan, a plan that's going to cost him more than we could ever imagine. And he says, Eve, an offspring of yours long into the future, will actually crush the head of this serpent that deceived you and deceived Adam. God was to show that nakedness, shame, and death would not have the final say because we know that offspring that God spoke about was in fact our Savior, our Lord Jesus. See, again, like Adam, Jesus was tempted by Satan. But unlike Adam, Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. Not only in the wilderness, but having fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Adam, you'll recall, was tempted in paradise. You know, after they had been tempted, Adam and Jesus see very different reactions by this serpent, by Satan. See, after Adam gets tempted by the the serpent... He's gone. He's never in the story again. Why? Because he'd won. He already had his victory with Adam. But when Jesus withstands the temptations, the serpent sticks around, right? He is determined to have Jesus ultimately fail and rebel against God, just like Adam did. And when he strikes what he thought would be this fatal blow, that moment that Jesus hung on the cross and was facing death, 
when it appeared he had finally won, God was actually crushing his head, just as he had promised Adam. You see, really interesting analogy. Adam and Eve disobeyed God. They ate from a tree and they died. Jesus, on the other hand, obeyed God. He climbed up a tree and willingly died for you and me. See, Jesus took that bite of the servant, serpent that, that God had also for, uh, prognosticated and said would come. He took the bite and he took the, per, the poison of the curse so that we could be released from both. As we look at, at stories like this, it's good to understand them. It's good to have the knowledge of how they work and what happened. But what's more important is what are our takeaways? You know, one of the things at Shiloh that we determined many years ago was that we wouldn't preach in the pulpit knowledge for knowledge's sake, that we would take our messages and make sure that when we're done, that you have something to walk out of here with that you can actually apply to your life. So it will make a difference. So you didn't just spend an hour, hour and a half sitting here listening and getting some good information, but walking out without really understanding, how do I really apply this? So let's talk about five different takeaways from this story about God and Adam. First of all, I believe that no different than Adam, you and I, at some points in our lives, have a tree with the knowledge of good and evil in it, all right? Maybe it's a relationship, um, maybe it's a thing, maybe it's a situation that looks very pleasant, but in your heart, you know you should steer clear. You know that you should end. You know that you should stop the anger. You should stop the, the, the fraternizing with a, a member of the opposite sex when, you, when you're married. Maybe Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's this, but it's something that you know either is about to go wrong in your life, could go wrong in your life, is going wrong. You know that, and you have to deal with that very much like Adam did and like Jesus did. We know, though, that in those moments, and I've had those moments, and I've made wrong choices. But thank God for 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted above what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can endure it. You know, if you're in a room and it's burning down, and I tell you there's a door over there, you can get out, and you decide not to get out, guess what? You're going to burn to death. So God doesn't make you take the out, but he offers it to you. And I want to, I want to say to you, I believe today there's someone or some ones out here or out there that you know you're eating of a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You know that. Maybe other people don't know what you're doing. Maybe they do. But you continue to make the wrong choice, and it's costing you dearly. And as importantly, it's costing those around you dearly. I want you to know that God has an escape door for you. And you just cry out to him, and you'll find that door. And God will get you out of that. 
And that tree of good and evil will no longer be able to affect you in your life. You know, we need to be on guard against these trees because God wants us to imitate the second Adam, not the first Adam. The best way to get rid of those trees is not to eat of them at all. So second takeaway, one is watch out for those bad trees. The other one is be careful who you hang out with. You see, who you choose as your friends to go through life with, many times, whoever has the lowest morals, values, work ethic, you'll, you'll end up, the higher one ends up coming down. The other one doesn't end up going up. Proverbs 18.24 says this, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Paul, friend of mine. This is you, Paul, I can't see. All right. But Paul was one of those friends that ruined me. He was a bad influence. I won't even tell you the things he introduced me to. But I got saved. The good news is Paul got saved. And we end up being really good friends. And that was a wonderful thing. See, when our kids were younger, here was one of the rules in the Hires family. Friends are a family choice. That meant that if one of our kids wanted to have a friend, we all got to vote. They really, really hated this. Sometimes they would try to have secret friends. But you know what siblings do? They find out. And they love to rat them out. So there were many times that we would say, "Uh uh-uh, not a friend. And even though they grumbled, they had to give that up. So, you know, I love scripture, but I also love quotes. So here's a couple of quotes on, on choosing friends. Life is partly what we make it and partly what it is made by the friends we choose. The trouble is not dying for a friend, but in finding a friend worth dying for. This is a great one. Lots of people want to ride with you in the limo, but what you want is someone who will take the bus with you when the limo breaks down. True, huh? All right, so you got trees, you got friends. Now we got marriage. Oh, yeah. I love my marriage. Marriage is a very, very significant choice. If you're here and you're unmarried, trust me, make it carefully. You're making one of the biggest decisions of your life at an age that you probably are the least capable of doing that. Yeah. So here's what the word says in Proverbs. It is better to live in the corner of a housetop. In other words, another version says in the corner of an attic than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife or husband. I did edit this a bit for fear of reprisal, um, but, it, but it is true, by the way. See, and specifically, I speak to husbands now. All right, it's our job, just like in the case of Adam, this is not sexist, it's what the word says, that we're there to protect our spouse and our family. It, it goes both ways, but the man is held accountable for that. Trust me, Adam failed in this area too. You know, it doesn't say that Eve ate of the apple and went running around the garden to find Adam so he could take it too. What does it say? She turned around and gave it to him. 
He was right there. He watched the whole thing. For whatever reason, Adam chose not to interrupt that dialogue between Satan and Eve and say, shut up. God's word is true. God did say that, and we're not eating. No, he didn't do that. See, marriage back then and today is one of Satan's biggest areas of attack. It sidelines Christians, destroys ministries, makes our children suffer for most of their lives. Now look, I'm not saying that there's never a reason for divorce, and divorce, even when it's not right, is a forgivable sin, and you can trust God. With, I'm not saying that all of that isn't, isn't correct as well, but it's so much more important to fight for your marriage and to fight for the relationship that God has allowed you to be in. Okay, so we have trees, friends, and spouses. Now we have bushes. When you sin, come out of the bushes. God knows you're there. He knows what you did. He knows what you didn't do. Bushes don't help you. And when you think you're doing something sinful that no one else knows, God's right there. You know, a lot of sins we do, we'd have a hard time doing if we really believe that Jesus is right there watching us. Come out from the bushes. All right. Breeze. Friends, spouses, bushes. Last but not least, oh, this is so important. Be on guard when things are really going well. Valleys always have mountains on both sides, all sides. No, it could be both sides. Mountaintop experiences are many times followed by valley experiences. You see, Jesus, one week before everyone around was yelling, crucify him, those same people were doing what? Just a week earlier, laying palm branches, saying, Hosanna in the highest, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, crucify him. From that time where he was being declared as the Messiah by so many people, It would only be followed by a week later them, those same people calling for his death. Jesus was prepared for that. He was prepared. He knew that was coming. I want to warn you, some of the worst decisions I've made and some of the worst ways I've gone have been at times when I am at the top. You know, I remember in in my business, I've shared this before, we were doing so well that I said, you know, I think I need a helicopter. I want a helicopter so I can fly out to my different offices and see people. It was really expensive, but that's okay. I've got the money to do it. Fast forward a year later. Fast forward a year later, I couldn't have paid for the gas for the helicopter. I needed to walk to my offices. See, Adam had this ability to walk with God every day. He was in this lush garden. He had a woman to walk by him that he loved. 
He had animals that posed no threat. He could lay down with lions, right? He was able to partake of every tree except one. And at that height of of amazing, amazing time, Adam fell. Jesus was having people say he was the Messiah, then say crucify him. But then the test came and he passed. There's another saying I like. It says this, do not pray for an easy life. Pray for the strength to endure a difficult one. Watch out when things are really going well. It's not that we're pessimistic. It's not that we're waiting for the big thing to hit. It's just to be on guard because things come at those times. Again, it doesn't take away from enjoying what God blesses you with. It just means we're wise to know that that serpent is just as if, just as much after you as he was after Adam, as he was after Jesus. He is insatiable when it comes to wanting to take you with him. Hopefully, as we've looked at the story of Adam, you've been able to see how this story pointed us to Jesus. And hopefully, it shows you that as we look at Adam, we're going to look at a bunch of other uh, men and women that will again point us to Jesus in the Old Testament. So, Father, I thank you for today. Lord, I thank you that you gave us examples in the Word that help us, that help us to know you loved us way before we ever saw Jesus. You knew this plan from the beginning of, of all time and beyond, even before that. Father, help us to understand that you are, you are a good, loving God, and that Jesus, you are the Adam that, that passed the test, and you gave us the same score that you got on the test, that we passed to. Lord, help us, whether it's trees or friends or marriage, Lord, whatever, whatever the case may be, Lord, whether it's good times, whether it's any of the things that, that can be thrown at us, that we have a God who is able to help us see our way through that temptation. Gives us a way out. We thank you for that, Lord. We ask you to, to just impress our hearts with this truth, these truths. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for, for being here this Sunday. If, you are, if you're dealing with one of those five and you're really wanting someone to agree with you in prayer, Would you come up? I would love to pray for you. We'll have some other people up here that can pray for you as well. And uh, we love you. Go forth. Pass the test.